Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. This is the start of our conference preview series here at Campus DeCanton. This is our third year doing these. For anybody not familiar, just to give you a quick overview of what you can expect from tonight's episode, we're going to go in depth on every single team in the conference that we are previewing on that day. We're doing alphabetical order. So, of course, tonight is the AAC. Uh, going to be a fun one to talk about because there is, uh, as with many of these conferences with conference realignment, we've got some new teams uh, and some teams that have left. So definitely a changing of the guard here. Uh, before we get into that, though, we do a little session with a guest usually. Tonight we have a very, very special guest, probably the smartest guest we've ever had on the show. We ask them three simple questions. We ask them the player that will help their stock the most this year, the player that will hurt their stock the most this year, and then the boldest prediction that they can possibly give us live on air. So this year we're actually featuring up-and-coming Debbie CFF and C2C content producers. We've already got, I think, six booked, maybe seven. We're, we're, we're for The spots are filling up fast. If you are a new content creator in the college space and you're looking to just come out, hang hang out with us for a few minutes, give your predictions, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and where we can find your work. Please DM me or Colin. I'm at Debbie Deeds. Colin is at C2C Decker on Twitter and we'll get you signed up. Um, Colin, are, are you ready to, to dive in here? I am. I am. Thank you for that wonderful intro. Really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be on and I'm ready to go. Um, just as an aside, Colin, because I've had, uh, I, we, we did get that cease and desist letter. We, we can't call this summer school anymore, even though I yeah. swear to God we came up with that name first. Um, so uh, we, we didn't actually uh, get a cease and desist, but we're, we're not calling it summer school anymore. But we're we did come up with it first. We did. We did. 100%. But, but Elliot summer school is, is fantastic and it's way more in depth. Uh, then we can go. He has a lot of contacts with all those different teams and stuff. So great series. We're not salty. It's okay, bud. We forgive you. I'm not salty. I'm bitter. Different flavors here. Um, <laughs> all right. We do usually try to cover news and we'll start getting more of it as we get closer to the season. I do just have two news items for you to react to, Colin. I actually didn't put them on the sheet here. Oh, uh, live both reactions. News, both news items out of South Carolina, though. We're starting to get some of these schools giving us some weigh-ins as guys are showing up to campus here. And we have two in particular that I think are interesting. The first one, Colin, Nikolees Harbor, the true freshman freak athlete, uh, recruiting saga, really should be an edge guy, but wants to play offense, also wants to qualify for the Olympics and the sprints. He says he wants to play wide receiver. He's showing up at South Carolina, 6'5". 241 pounds, Colin. What is your reaction to that weigh-in, which is, quite frankly, a lot heavier than I expected him to be? The, that sounds exactly like a tight end to me. Like, exactly like a tight end. Like, I don't know why you're you're playing wide receiver at that size. Nobody thought he should play wide receiver. He's not a wide receiver. He turns like a battleship. He, and not like the DK Metcalf version, like he turns like an actual battleship. Like he's just not refined as a receiver either. So, and then you're going to check in that big, like just play tight end. 
it also surprises me he's that big if he's like trying to make the Olympics. There, there is, even if he is the greatest athlete that has ever graced the face of the earth, there is a zero percent chance you can win. You can, I would say, even qualify for the final the Olympics in the hundred meter at two hundred forty one pounds. It's just literally not possible. Yeah, it, it's yeah. way too much weight. And this is the discussion that we've had a lot, and especially in our Discord. I don't think that that Harbor is committed to either sport fully because if he is, he would either be cutting down to like 210 to run the sprints or he'd be bulking up to like 250, 260 to play football. So I I don't know what this dude's doing. I think he's the biggest fade uh, in the freshman class right now. Um, uh, The weight just just totally shocks me. The other one here, Colin Lenore Sellers weighed in at 245 pounds. So an even bigger boy. Than Harbor. I don't know what they're feeding him down there. Chris Moxley says Bojangles. Could be. Could be. <laughs> um, that's really heavy for him, too, even though he's like 6'4. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that surprises me that he's that big as well. It makes you think, well, maybe lend some credence into Moxley's Bojangles theory. Um, because that's a substantial amount of weight for both of those guys. And then there was what um Dark Dara K or I don't know how you pronounce Dakari that. Dakari Joiner. Yeah, Joiner. Dakari Joiner. Um, he gained like he's up to like 230 something too. Like there's several guys who put on some pretty significant weight up there. Um, but it, in terms of sellers, I mean, that's huge for a quarterback. The good thing is we're not gonna see him this year, so I don't think that weight really means anything right now. Like it's not good. I don't think that he's 245 pounds, um, even at 6'4". It's not necessarily bad either. Like, we'll have to see, like, what type of weight that is. But we're not going to see him this year, so it doesn't matter that much. We've seen some big boy quarterbacks before, so I don't know that I'm scared of it yet. Uh, Definitely something to keep an eye on. I definitely would prefer him to be under 240 pounds if I had my way about it. Uh, Maybe... Maybe there's a bulk and then there's a cut. For the for the record, Bojangles is not good enough for you to show up on campus and just wolf on it like that. <laughs> so um, I, I we had we had it, didn't we? That was the first time I ever had it on the way up from your brother's birthday. We went down to Nashville. Yeah, we shot the Bojangles yeah. on the way home. It was fine. It wasn't like yeah. anything to you know write home about. No, no, I did. I didn't write home about that either. No, <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't write home. No, no, I don't write home very often. But if I did, it would not be to talk about Bojangles. Pull over at the next rest stop, get a postcard and write about your trip to Bojangles. Mm. Yep. I had so much fun with the boys. XOXO. <laughs> Love. Thanks, mom. <laughs> All right, Colin. So let's let's uh, introduce the guests that we have here for tonight. Like I said, they are probably the two best, smartest, best looking guests we've ever had on the show. Mm. It's us. Yay. Yay. We're the guests. (laughs) Um, I stand by everything I said at the beginning there. And uh, we always start off every year, the first episode of the series where we give our predictions uh, on the three big questions. So um, Colin, I'll ask you first here, who is the one player that you believe will help their stock the most this season? And for the record guy, everybody, everybody last year, Colin's answer to this was Bo Nix. 
So well done, Colin. That was a, a really, really good answer. Can you do it again for a second year in a row? I'm seeing your answer here. I'm leaning no, but I would have said yeah. no about Bernie last year too. So. Yeah, um, I'm just going to concede and I'm not going to do this session this this year because of the success that I had last year. Um, so the player that I think is going to help their stock the most this season is Matthew Golden, wide receiver for Houston. He's he was kind of a C2C darling last year. A lot of us over at the site liked him, uh, but he hasn't really made his way into, you know, like the Debbie sphere yet. People aren't really talking about to him too much as like a Debbie prospect. People liked him last year because we knew he was going to be in that Dana Holgerson offense. Uh, we knew Tank Dell was going to be leaving and then it was going to leave a vacancy. And Matthew Golden is presumably the guy who's going to step up into that this year. I listened to Bud Elliott's summer school with Houston. Um, they did talk, you know, about they brought in some other wide receivers from the transfer portal, but it does still look like it's going to be Matthew Golden as the guy there. Um, in terms of production, Dana Holgerson's wide receiver ones are studs. I, I mean, these are guys that you want, like dating back to um, you know, his time at West Virginia. You know, he, he's had many studs at wide receiver. David Sills was good there. So um, he, we, we know we, he's going to have the production. I think this is the year, too, he's going to take a step into Debbie circles. And he's going to people are going to start talking about him as a legitimate NFL prospect. Um, he's not an uber athlete, um, but he's a good he's a good athlete. Uh, on our athletic comparison tool, he's got 80th percentile speed, 63rd percentile athlete. So pretty solid there. Uh, he's got good, pretty good size at uh, six foot 190. He's got versatile play inside, outside. I think he's going to show off all of that skill set this year. And he's going to take a step in and, and be, start to be talked about as a legitimate NFL prospect this year. Is he not already talked about as a legitimate NFL prospect? Outside of campus to Canton, outside of our network, I don't yeah. hear it very often. You're 100% convinced that he's the leading guy there. Yes, I am. I'm 100% convinced uh, he's going to be the the leading guy there this year. What's you... a reasonable stat line for him this year? Uh, I don't think he hits Tank Dell-like numbers, um, but I think reasonable and i don't have tank dell stat line pulled up here in front of me so i'm not exactly sure what it was but i think reasonably we could be looking at like 80 catches um 1100 yards double double digit touchdowns maybe like 10 to 12 somewhere in that ballpark wow okay okay interesting that's uh i think he's richer do it the, than i'm willing to go he'll do it in the big 12 too you're a you you you're a Donovan Smith lover too, so I think this tracks. If you are convinced completely by Smith, <laughs> then you have to think that you know his, his main guy can still go out and do it. Is that is there there is some correlation here, Colin? Am I figured you out? Uh, there's a little bit of correlation. We we were talking pre-show, and I I didn't I do think Donovan Smith's one of the guys who helps himself the most this year, and I think there's a couple other guys that I've talked about before, but I wanted to talk about somebody that I haven't talked about. Um, but yeah, I, I think I don't think this offense is going to miss a beat with Donovan Smith in there instead of Clayton too. Uh, I think Donovan Smith is as good, if not better, of a quarterback overall than Clayton Toon. So yeah, I, I mean, I think 
Toon really focused in on Dell and Dell had earned that trust. Um, it might not golden might, like I said, golden won't have the same target share that Dell did, but I think he's going to be that leading wide receiver. And I think this offense is still going to be humming because it's Dana Holgerson's offense. I was listening to the beat or actually, no, it was, um, it was chasing the natty last week. I believe they had Chris K on and they were mm-hmm. previewing the quarterback spoiler alert. Here's truly's on doing the running backs this week. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm a CFF expert now, Colin. You can take that um, to the bank. <laughs> and I gave I gave the disclaimer at the beginning. It's fine. Um, and it was funny because Chris K was the guest and he was talking about how Donovan Smith, like there is some risk there. He might just legitimately not be good at football, even with the system that we all like. Mm-hmm. And then he released, at least to us, some of his uh, projections for the year. And he has Donovan Smith as like the QB1. Yeah. So I, I, I do it. think there's a really fun dichotomy because it's like, it's like how much do you trust the system with Houston this year? Mm-hmm. And how much, and then like, it, like how much skepticism should there be because Smith hasn't performed amazingly, albeit in an offense that probably didn't uh, accentuate what he can do best the past couple of years at Texas tech. It's a very interesting uh, debate. And I think by the end of the year, whichever side ends up happening, we'll be like, well, t- we should have just seen that coming. Like that is just, right. that was so obvious. It was right in front of our faces. Uh, but I don't really feel that good about projecting either one of those. So that's why I'm a little more hesitant on golden. And I think some of the other receivers there are uh, not as talented as him, but, but fairly talented as well. Should I go or do you want to go with your player to stock down? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm good either way. You know, I'm just, I'm just going to keep your interview going here. Colin. Okay. You see so mine th- and then I'll interview you. Yes, exactly. Okay. That's how it should be. One player that you believe will hurt their stock the most this season. Yeah. One player I think is going to hurt their stock the most this season is Shador Sanders quarterback for Colorado. And to be clear, let me preface it by saying, I think he's going to have a, a very good statistical season, like just in terms of raw numbers because the volume is going to be there this colorado team is not going to be very good their defense is a dumpster fire they're going to be in a lot of shootouts they're going to have to throw the ball so i think he is going to have the raw production stats but i don't think he's going to be very efficient and i think we're going to see some of these flaws that he has in his game he's not the most accurate quarterback um and we think we need to see him play under pressure because Jackson state was talent wise, one of, if not the best team in the swack by, by a good amount. So now he's going to be on a team that has, that's probably more talent deficient than everybody else around him. And I think we're going to see some of these flaws come up. Uh, a lot of people out there, I know we're talking about Shador Sanders as a legitimate Debbie prospect. And I think this year people are going to start to backtrack on that a little bit. Um, I people tend to stick to their guns, so we'll see how much they backtrack. But I don't see him as a legitimate Debbie prospect yet. And I think this season we're going to see enough of him to know that he's got some serious steps he needs to take before he gets to be a legitimate Debbie prospect. All right, Colin, I wouldn't call either of those predictions bold. So I'm going to need a bold prediction from you here. Something, something fiery. And I just want the record to reflect before we do both of our bold predictions that I had mine down first. Mm-hmm. That's all I need that you'll know why mm-hmm. I said that when I get to mine. So what's your bold prediction, Carl? Uh, my bold prediction this year, I needed to, 
I need to try and piggyback off of that success from last year. So it is Bo Nix wins the Heisman Trophy this year, and he makes that copy pasta look even funnier. You just killed Chris K. I know. You just literally killed Chris K. I know. I know. I'm sorry, You're a monster. Um, no, but I, so there's the whole joke and the copy pasta running around that he's a dark horse for Heisman. He's having he's fun. Focused. He's focused, but we just saw a fantastic year from him last year. And I think we're going to see another fantastic year from him this year. I, I don't know if he's not going to repeat the same rushing touchdown numbers. Cause that was just insane. But I, I do really like Will Stein's offense. I don't think it's going to miss a beat. And they were the, the, again, on Bud Elliott summer school, not to give him too much pub, you know, for stealing our name, but the, the, beat writer that he had on was saying that Will Stein intends to keep this offense mostly the same because there's so many pieces that are coming back. So they're bringing a lot of pieces back. The offense is going to be pretty much the same and everybody tends to forget how good that Oregon team was last year because they got demolished by Georgia in the opener and then they lost that game to Oregon State, which was a little, it was kind of with, unexpected. With injured Bo Nix, right? The yes. Oregon State game? Yeah. 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 They definitely fell off with when, when he got that injury. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this Oregon team is very good. And I, you know, we'll see your bold prediction then. But I think this is a very good team. And I think that's really going to help Bo Nix. Uh, and, you know, there's no Ohio State quarterback that's like a stud that we have to worry about. Alabama doesn't have a stud quarterback that we have to worry about. Um, so I think there's, this is a prime year for him to do it. Um, would you say, and this is such a funny question. Um, can you think how, how many players I, I'm, I'm trying to think how I want to phrase this. I'm, I'm cycling through all the different, uh, uh, begin beginning beginnings of this question how many players in college football are more valuable to their team than bo Nix? oh that's an interesting question man um Penix could be although i think the Penix offensive system is yeah. actually more valuable than michael Penix is you could argue yeah. the same thing about bo Nix. I, I i don't know but i don't think it's quite to the caleb williams Penix. probably yeah, more valuable williams could be a good one yeah um that's a tough question though uh, cause I, I can't come up with that many. Yeah. There's, there's, there's not Yeah, I, I can't think of a ton more either. Cause even no. like, you know, I, I don't think Georgia has a guy that's probably more valuable than him. No. They're, they're, a, they're a more stacked team, Alabama, mm -hmm. um, state, yeah. same thing. Even Marvin Harrison jr. Like, I think he's really important to that team, but they have a ton of talented wide receivers there. Um, Nobody on Michigan that I can think of. Yeah, not very many. All right, Colin. Well, I think that's uh, that's done with the interview. Where tell us where you can find uh, can find you, and then we'll get you out of here. Thanks. I uh, appreciate you having me on again. Um, yeah, but you you can find all of my stuff at campus2canton.com. Never heard of it. I don't really have any articles that I'm working on currently. Uh, well, you wrote your one, so you've got like another yeah. ten more months until you got got to produce the next one. So yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you can find all my stuff over there. Fair enough. All right, thanks for joining us. All right, so today we have uh, a fantastic guest bringing him on, up-and-comer in the Debbie and C2C space. Uh, I am joined today to talk about the cram session. Um, we have our three questions for our conference kickoff series here. Uh, I'm joined by Austin. 
uh austin thanks for thanks for joining me austin nace thank you for having me i've been wanting to be a guest on actually i have been a guest on this show before that's actually the best part this is my second time guesting on this show you had me on when during my busy season oh yeah just mm-hmm. mm-hmm. guest. yeah so second time guesting on this show who would have thought that's like a fun bar trivia question someday when we're you know big time yeah how many times has austin guested on campus light yeah yeah that'll be a trick question that'll be the bonus got him um all right but we'll, we'll start this off here with the three questions we normally ask one player who will help their stock the most this season one player who will hurt their stock the most this season and then their boldest spiciest prediction uh austin will start with one player you believe will help their stock the most this season yeah, I think um, you mentioned this in yours. I tried to pick players that I really haven't talked a ton about before. And I have a handful of these QB sleepers that I've kind of been. Every roster kind of has like one of them on it. I've talked about Taylor Green the past couple of weeks on a couple of shows. I've talked about Brady Drogish as a stash. There's maybe one or two other guys. But I know a name that I definitely have not talked about at all this offseason at all is Kate on Salter at Liberty. And he is a player that I think can help his stock the most this season. I'm not necessarily talking about NFL value. I don't think <sighs> crazier things have happened. I, I I don't see him jumping into a serious kind of uh, Debbie conversation uh, like you argued with Golden. But I do think that Salter now uh, stepping into the starter job there at Liberty, as long as he can stay healthy, new offense or a new head coach coming in there, uh, Chadwell coming over from uh, Coastal Carolina, where they were uh, an extremely efficient offense that really makes uh, decisions easier for the quarterback. I think Salter's really going to thrive there. We've seen Grace McCall the past couple of years. I'm not saying he'll have okay, Grace McCall is like two of the three or like two of the top five most efficient uh, passing season long performances of all time. Like I'm not saying that it's going to quite be that level, but I do think he can be pretty good in this offense. I do think there are a couple of things holding him back. First off, I don't know that the weapons are that good, but I do think the wide receivers are slightly undervalued there in terms of just how good they are relative to the level of competition that they're playing at. Uh, the running backs aren't great, but I think there's some uh, cause for excitement there, especially with the freshman Vaughn Blue. But I do think that Salter, who is a guy that can run quite a bit, as McCall can, I think he's going to get you a really nice weekly floor with his legs. And Liberty's football schedule is a joke every year. They're now in CUSA, I believe. Yeah. I think he'll do, I, I think Liberty will probably finish second in the conference. And I think Salter will be a big part of that. I could see him being a top, like, I don't, th- I, I don't think it'll be an amazing season this year, but I think this, this will be like the building season. And in 2025, like, you'll be talking about them as like, as Salter is like a legit CFF guy. So I'm going to say like a top 36 quarterback option, I think. He, he realistically could do, which is way higher than what people are expecting out of him this year. So kind of an off the wall one, but I do like Salter. Uh, and I think he's, I think he's rosterable as a deep, you know, kind of like your sixth starter uh, on a roster uh, in C2C leagues this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that call. I, I think that the system is going to be really good for him. So uh, yeah, sixth quarterback on the roster, hundred percent, I would roster him higher than that. Like I think, I agree with you. I think he's going to give you a really nice floor and there could be some really nice sprinkle or ceiling weeks sprinkled in. The, the nice thing with, with Liberty, I think this year is they're going to just be like some obvious weeks where you just want to start him, 
which is really, really nice, especially for a guy that's like further down your roster and isn't necessarily a a guy that you're just plug and play. If you look at their ro- their their schedule this year, I mean, they've got some games that I would feel comfortable starting him in. They, they start the season with Bowling Green, New Mexico State, Buffalo, Sam Houston, FIU, Middle Tennessee, um, Old Dominion, UMass. Like th- this is not a murder's row of defenses. I really think that the, the, the schedule defensively is just so soft that I, I like Salter's chances to, um, to, to perform and play well this year. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Um, so I, I like that call. Uh, who's one player you think will hurt their stock the most this season? I think I've definitely talked about this guy on the show maybe once before in, in this capacity, but I do think that CJ Donaldson's stock takes a really big hit this year. And if I have him, I think I'm trying to sell him in those places. Donaldson's value last year came, if everybody remembers, from the fact that he was a tight end playing running back. And that was literally the only intriguing thing uh, about him last season. He played in, I think, seven or eight total games. One of them, Texas, he left after like two carries, like even even if you ignore that game. He had two two games, I believe, over five yards per carry, and then the rest were like under four. Like they were just abysmal. I think they're, the whole team is really going to struggle. I know people want to say that they're going to lean on Donaldson, but I, I don't know the game script is going to necessarily allow for them to do that. I think West Virginia is going to be just a really bad team this year. I think Donaldson... I'm interested to see if they want to use him as a receiver because he has that tight end background, but they didn't use him that way at all last year. So I don't know if they don't really think he can do that. Like I, I think there's a lot of question marks here. I think he's being valued as a guy that has some Debbie upside. I don't think he does. I do not think he's really a future NFL back in terms of like a guy that I care if he's on my fantasy roster. So you're just relying on a CFF value and I don't love that value either. So I think, Donaldson's going to take a huge hit. He's going to be a guy that I think people are going to consider dropping him by the end of the season. That's how big of a hit I think his value takes this year. Okay. I think that, uh, I I think that's a bold take there at the end saying that he might be droppable. Um, I agree with you. I think he's going to hurt his stock this year. Again, just given that WVU is a dumpster fire and a lot of his value last year came that he was a running back playing tight end. Like you said, so I think that kind of elevated him in people's eyes a little bit more than it should have. And I, I do think he's going to come back down to earth this year. But I, the saying he could be cuttable this year, uh, I think that's where you get a little spicy. We're, we're going to get questions about it in the Discord by week eight. Watch. I I mean, I could see it. I think it, there's a it's in the realm of possibility. Um. Sorry, so that was that was a little bold. Uh, give me something even a little bit more bold. Give me your bold prediction for 2023. I actually don't know if this is bolder than CJ Donaldson is cuttable by the end of the year. It's not, um, but that's but but good. so two hot takes in here is, is great. Um, and my, my reminder, I said earlier, I wrote mine down first. I think Oregon goes undefeated this year and wins the Pac-12. And my prediction last year was that Utah went undefeated and won the Pac-12. Yes. Wrong on the first one, right on the second one. So um, I, I, Oregon's my call to do it this year. I like um, looking at the Pac-12 here because I think the schedules tend to set up nicely for some of these teams. Oregon's schedule is pretty dang soft. Portland State, Texas Tech, Hawaii uh, in the non-con. Uh, in the conference, they get a couple of these uh, tough games uh, at home. Uh, they, they do Washington on the road, which uh, is going to hurt a little bit, but they get – um uh and they have utah on the road but they get usc at home 
And I think that's going to be the big one, the the Goliath in their way. And I think they can beat USC at home. I think they're just a, a little bit more of a well-rounded team uh, with an experienced Bo Nix there. So, yeah, I think they go undefeated. I don't think they'll be a national championship favorite. Like once if when they get to the playoff, I, I think they'll um, if they get matched up against an SEC team, they probably lose. I just don't know if they have the team speed all around. But I think they're positioned very well to win the Pac-12 this year. I actually think it's more likely that either Oregon or Washington wins it than USC wins it. So you start to get a little bit more spicy there at the end. I, I think with um, it's more likely that them or Washington wins in USC. I, I just think uh, USC has a fatal flaw again this year. Like I yeah. don't think the defense is going to be significantly better. Mm-hmm. I think the offense is going to be great. We still don't know who the receivers are going to be. I mean, I could talk about the Pac-12 for a while here. I, I don't want to get too deep into it, but yeah, I think I think Washington and Oregon have the leg up. Because I think they'll actually like I they might have similar defensive issues, although I think both are better defensively. But they can score with USC, which is going to be the problem for USC in those matchups. Yeah, yeah, I, I think getting Oregon getting USC at home in Eugene is big. Uh, I think that's going to really help them. I, I, going undefeated, I don't know if I see that. I think there's enough track like Utah, Washington. Uh, I think that's those are tough games, but I think they're going to be very good this year. So, this ain't vanilla take time, Colin. This is hot take time. Thought I froze again. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, Oregon going undefeated. I think that's hot. That, that that's a hot take. If Bo Nix wins the Heisman, how what? Are they? I mean, they can't lose more than one game, right? Yeah, one oh. two games at most. Oh, um, I think two games, and he's out. I don't think they can lose two games in in the Pac twelve. Yeah. Well, what about the championship game? What about the Pac-12 championship game? Um, that yeah, gives that's a good question. I mean, yeah, because uh, that would give them a second loss. USC got a second. Was that their second loss last year? In the or did they go undefeated yeah. through the regular season? They lost to. Did they? I think they did. I think they lost. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. I don't now. remember. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember either. Um, I know they lost the bowl game too. But yeah, I, I think Oregon goes undefeated. That, that's my that's my hot take for this year. Okay. Fair enough. Well, thank you so much for joining me tonight, Austin. Uh, really appreciate that. I think uh, we got some nice insight there. Uh, tell the people where they can find uh, find your stuff. Everything I do is at campusdecanton.com. Go check out the Campus to Canton podcast. Me and my annoying co-host uh, uh, have fun over there. So uh, that's all I got. Thanks, Colin. Absolutely. Have a good one. All right, we got the interviews out of the way here, and there will be different guests every week moving forward. So looking forward to those. Um, let's get right into the AAC here. And we said we were going to cover all the teams. And, I mean, technically we will because we'll at least say the team name <laughs> before we skip over them. But there are a couple of teams in this conference that I'm just not particularly interested in. We're going to go through these alphabetically. So let's just start with Charlotte, who I think – if they're not if they're not the worst team in the AAC this year, I mean they're bottom two or three. They they're a, a pretty bad team. Um, the only name that I have heard anybody throw out, and I don't, I think this was a it was like a, it is Volume Pigs wrote an article I believe on his Substack. I don't believe it was with us about Shadrick Bird, their running back, and I think it was more of like a highlighting this guy as like a potential option, not like Shadrick Bird should be a weekly starter for you. So realistically I, I don't think there's anybody else in this roster that i'm interested in not the quarterback the wide receivers are all yucky i i just i don't think this is going to be a particularly good team this year no i don't think so either i mean they bring in new head coach 
uh, Biff Pogi, who's already getting off. in a fu- in fights on Twitter with fans. So he's doing he's starting yeah. off really really well there. Yeah, yeah. Hats off though for the name. Uh, that's on the all name team. But yeah, he was the associate head coach from Michigan last year. So they're going to run the ball. They're losing a ton of players. They lose their quarterback. Um, they they lose all three of their top wide receivers from last year. This passing game, I think, is going to be trash. Like you said, maybe Shadrick Bird provides some like usable weeks here. The only guy that I'm actually even really interested in is Darrell Robinson, the true freshman coming in. And that's just because I think he was probably a little bit better than Charlotte. I think he could have gone somewhere a little bit better. Uh, so I think that him going there, he's probably the most talented player overall on that offense. Maybe, you know, probably I think by mid-year he's splitting carries with Bird. Um, and then I think he'll take over next year. So if you wanted to take him in the 45th round of your startup, sure. I'm probably not taking him in a supplemental, though, to be honest. I don't even know if I take him in a startup just because I think – well, I, I think Bird has two years left, so that makes it difficult if they like Bird for him to grab the job there full time, which is really the only way to care. We we do not care about a split backfield at Charlotte like at all. No. So if this is a split backfield for the next two years, that those players aren't worth a damn to me. Yeah, no, I I, I, I agree. Um, like I said, Darrell Robinson is a guy that I put on the watch list, and that's that's about it. Fair enough. All right, um, East Carolina, ECU, probably probably middle of the pack type team here went eight and five last year four and four in the conference they have to replace quite a bit on their team i think the most important position obviously quarterback they lose holton allers who had been there seemingly for forever they replace him with mason garcia who at the time of if i remember correctly at the time he committed was the highest rated commit to go to ecu or at least definitely the highest rated qb i mean he was he was a borderline four-star guy um honestly basically like the doodle bob version of drew alar <laughs> is that a yeah. fair yeah i think that's yeah i think that's pretty fair like um, similarly built a big guy can run around quite a bit has a cannon attached to his shoulder but the polish and the upside with him probably are not the same as they are with Drew Allar. Hence why Drew Allar ended up at Penn State and he's at Eastern Carolina. No offense to our ECU Pirates fans. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. He looked, he's, he basically got that one game, that one start against, I think, Navy a couple years ago when Allar, yeah. when uh, Allar had, uh, it's funny because he's replacing Allers and it's a, lot, it's a whole thing. <laughs> um, when he had, I think, COVID and Garcia was awful. But he was also, I think, a true freshman that year. It was probably a little too early for him to hop in there. So I, I am like moderately intrigued, even though I think he's not very good. He could, since we haven't seen him in so long, have just gotten better. I I really don't know what to expect. I lean no. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I was intrigued with him as a freshman when he came out. So he said he's got those physical tools. He was going to a G5 program, but he was bad when we saw him. We haven't really heard much about him. Uh, like the, I haven't heard anything from like beat reporters or anything. So we'll see. I'm not really that interested in him. And I think he's actually going to hold this team back a good amount. Like I, they were 25th in the country last year, a neutral game pass script, but they were only 74th in place. So they throw a lot, but they don't run a lot of plays. So I don't necessarily know if the volume is going to be there. Uh, Yeah. I I don't think this passing attack is going to be very good this year. 
yeah, the 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 volume is bad, and then I I think the weapons. I don't I don't want to completely write them off because I feel like every year ECU pulls a wide receiver or two that I've just never heard about of thin air, and they end up being serviceable. But again, how much of that was allers, and how much of that was was the guys? Because I mean, CJ Johnson didn't even get drafted. Um, they bring back Josiah Hatfield, who was pretty good last year. Um, a, a smaller guy, like 5'10", 173. They've got a couple other receivers there that, that should be starting for them. Jalen Johnson, Ryan King. I don't know enough about either of those guys to who really say whether I like them or not, but the fact that I don't know a lot about them at this stage in the offseason leads me to believe that I probably don't like them. Is that the correct line of thinking here, Colin? Yeah, I think so. I, it, Hatfield is a maybe for me. The only other player that like I'm sort of interested in is Shane Calhoun at tight end. Uh, and that's just because they don't really have any of those other pass catchers like you were just saying. So somebody else has to catch the ball. Maybe it's the tight end. Could be, yeah. I mean, that Calhoun, I know our, our CFF team has highlighted him as a guy that like is, is maybe something. Who's to say? I think on rosters where I don't have an anchor tight end there. I don't have Brock Bowers. I don't have Gadsden. I don't have, you know, insert like two other guys that I think are just, you stick them in your Sanders spot and that's it. Yeah. Um, it, so you end up with, you know, four, maybe five tight ends on your roster, depending on how many roster spots you have and all that jazz. I think I, I did pick him up in one or two teams as that like fifth or fourth tight end where if he ends up being pretty good, cause they have talked about him apparently quite a bit this off season, the, the, at least the, from the, uh, the reporting that has come out from around the program. So again, I don't think that he's like super, super, super interesting, but of the names, he's probably the one that I'm most willing to roster. And then Hatfield being a guy that if I'm in like a 24 teamer, I, I would probably be happy to have on my team. Is that a correct assessment of those two, two guys? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much how I feel. Hatfield deep league option. Um, and then even looking at the running backs here, uh, Raj Harris is back, right? I believe Raji Harris is still there. Yes. Raji Harris. Not projected yeah. to start, but I believe Harris is still there, and he still has like three years if he wants it, or yeah. at least two years. Feels yeah, like he's look, been there forever. I think that's going to make it frustrating because I know Marlon Gunn is projected to be the lead back, and I, I did like Marlon Gunn coming out last year. I, I thought he was more talented than ECU. I thought he could, could have gone to uh, like a low-end Power 5 school. Um, so I, I like Gunn's talent, but I don't know. I just don't think this team is going to be that great this year. I, I, I mean, the AAC as a whole is worse, so that helps them out. But I just I don't know that we're going to be that interested in these guys for fantasy options when we look at the end of the season, you know? Yeah, Gunn's a guy that I'm not even like, I, I think he's definitely rosterable when I have him in a couple spots. I, I actually stashed him at the end of last season in a couple places, but I'm not so excited for him that I like I if I have him on a team it's a team where I need to be a little deeper at producing running back so that I'm not reliant on him because I think if you are penciling him as like even a flex guy I think you might be in some trouble depending on the depth of your league uh he could surprise me and again I've said this on shows before he he was my highest rated g5 running back last year in the class so I, I definitely think something of him I just like I, I don't really don't know what to expect from this offense at all. They they have traditionally done pretty well running the ball, but I don't know how much of that was like Keaton Mitchell just being really fast and yeah. like just way too athletic for that level uh and kind of creating on his own. Like I, I don't know how much of it was that. Harris was had flashed fine the past couple of years, but he wasn't Keaton Mitchell. 
and I don't remember Harris ever being really a guy that I was itching to start in weeks where he was the back. So I, I'm I'm cautious on Marlon Gunn. We haven't talked a lot about him on the show, I don't think, but he, he's a good yeah. player. I'm just not sure that he's a guy that I, I want to be reliant on at the running back position this year. Again, unless it's a very deep league. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Let's go to FAU, Florida Atlantic. Um, I don't know how much we would have had to talk about with this team overall. And then a very funny thing happened a couple weeks ago uh, with Casey Thompson heading over, uh, former, uh, what, Texas, then Nebraska. Now he's yep. at FAU, uh, reuniting with uh, Herman's there now, right? Tom Herman, I yep. believe, was there, was yep. their coach. Um, so I actually, like the tough part about some of these guys, and Casey Thompson is moderately mobile, is that if you're, you have to just be passing the piss out of the ball if you're not much of a rusher to be super fantasy relevant. And I'm not quite sure that they will be. So oh, I think they will be a little more balanced. Um, so overall, like I actually think Casey Thompson makes me like their receivers a little bit more, but I'm not super excited about Casey Thompson, but he is a guy again in a deeper league. I would say anything more than 14 teams. I think he's a guy that I would want as a buy-in uh, a bi-week uh, filling kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think Casey Thompson's going to be okay this year. Like I said, the AAC is is definitely um, hurting. You know, losing the teams that they lost last year, losing Houston, losing UCF, using Cincy. It's it's definitely a, a weaker conference. Um, so he's going to have some good games and some good matchups. So he'll have some startable weeks, and I think it's fine to. To, you know, to have him as, as a bi-week fill-in, even in a, even in like a 12-team league. Like, I think there will be some decent weeks where you can start him. But like you said, I think it's more important for the wide receivers. Um, with Tom Herman coming in, you know, his neutral game script pass rate has been above average every year since 2015, since he was like a head coach. Um, you know, it's it, it's declined a little bit, like towards his end in Texas there. Like in 2019 and 2020, it was like just barely above average, but still... Uh, but the wide receiver one for him um, has there were three years, 2015, 2018. And, um, he had 18 fantasy points per game. And then 2019, it was at 22. So those are very valuable wide receivers. Um, you know, 18 points per game is roughly like wide receiver 30. That was Tyron Smith last year had 18.3 for reference. So I, I think that's a good news for LeJounte Wester uh, with Herman coming in with competent quarterback play in Casey Thompson. So I am in on Wester and then Jaquan Burton's kind of intriguing as a, you know, another piece that maybe he gets some, some work here and there, but um, Wester is, is the piece I'm most interested in, in this offense. Wester is the piece that I am most interested in as well. Uh, and he had some really good games last year for folks that aren't, um, that, that weren't really following closely last year. He was a guy that I, we talked about in like our waiver ads at least once mm -hmm. uh, on the shows in season. And um, he, he had a couple of games with a lot of targets. He did uh, fall apart a little bit down the stretch, but the whole offense was not quite as productive the pat the, the final few weeks of the season, but he had a, a 10, 13 and one, he had a nine ninety and three and eight, one forty and two. So, um, you know, overall 719 yards, eight touchdowns. I expect, uh, maybe 100, 150 more yards just with uh, better quarterback play there uh, and touchdowns are probably remain consistent. So a few more receptions, uh, maybe 100, 150 more yards uh, and touchdowns probably stay right around eight. So an interesting guy uh, overall 
there. Burton, I, I have never, I have not really rostered Burton. I, I've kept this, my, my opinions on this offense a little more surface level uh, and really just been going after Wester. But again, deeper formats, formats. I think Burton could be intriguing. Um, looking over, uh, CFB winning edge has their uh, projected depth charts all out. Uh, and they project Larry McCammon to be the starting running back. I'm not super interested. They talked about him a couple weeks ago on CTN uh, when they talked about some offenses that they thought were a little underrated. And McCammon's just very much like a, a floor guy, and the floor is not amazing either. So I think you're looking at the receivers, and then again in deeper leagues, Casey Thompson uh, worth an add. Any other guys here that are interesting to you, Colin? No, I agree with you. I think Larry McCammon will probably be the starter in name, but Tom Herman has said it, like basically this is going to be a committee. They brought in Kobe Lewis, the running back from Purdue last year. They brought him in in the portal. So I think it's going to be him, McCannon, McCammon. I don't want either of those guys. Um, you know, I don't think either like Tom Herman's rush. Number one rusher uh, has not been particularly uh, valuable. He does run the quarterback a good amount. So I'm not really interested in the running backs at all. It's pretty much Wester bust. And then maybe, Thompson sprinkled in as you know, like I said, like maybe a bye week fill in as a QB, like five, six on my roster. Set over to Memphis. They're the next team here, probably in that second tier of teams in this conference um, that could do some damage depending on uh, how right or wrong things go. They're quarterbacked by Seth Hennigan, who is entering his third year of college, but he somehow has four years of eligibility left. You go tell me how that works, even though he started double digit games the past couple of years um didn't that quite take the no step sense to me man these this eligibility stuff is just such bs now um not to be a boomer but come on here um didn't really take the step we thought he would last year performed almost literally exactly the same he freshman season had uh 3322 yards last year he had 3559 albeit in two more games so you tell me if that's more impressive or not i would say no uh, freshman year had 25 touchdowns, eight interceptions last year, had 22 and eight again in two more games. So, uh, he, he was a little more accurate. So on, on some higher volume passing, so that that's good. At least, uh, I think the Hennigan legitimate NFL prospect talk was probably a little rich. I think he's definitely a CFF guy only. And then the question becomes, are they passing enough on a weekly basis? And do we like the receiving options enough here for us to care? Anyway, Eileen, no. What do you think, Colin? Yeah, I agree with you on Hennigan. I don't really see, like you said, he didn't take the step last year that we were kind of hoping for in terms of, you know, potentially showing some legitimate Debbie potential. So CFF only option. He was the QB 44 last year. And the volume is there because this team, Memphis was 30th in the country last year in neutral game script pass rate. They were 29th in pace. So they run, they ran a lot of plays. They throw the ball a lot, but they just, Hennigan is just solely a passer. You're not going to get anything from his legs. So if he's not putting up, a, you know, 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, I don't think he's a guy that I'm going to want to start. So, and again, like you said, that the wide receivers, we don't really know necessarily what that's going to look like either. I don't think there's like a go-to guy on that roster. Um, they bring in Demir Blankumsey. I don't really know how to pronounce that. Blankumsey, man. Come on. Blankumsey. This is just this amateur hour over here. 
they bring in Demir Blankemsee, they're probably going to be the leading receiver there, but he doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. So I think Memphis is going to be one of those teams that's probably just better in real life than they are for fantasy. I will. Well, I'm not going to give giving mediums amount of credit here. Um, Seth Hennigan has rushed for like an okay amount of yardage for how I perceive him athletically. But I think part of it is that he's probably uh, decent at avoiding sacks. If I had to guess, I mean, he ran for 147 yards as a freshman and 287 as a sophomore and four touchdowns. Like that's not, well, I'll call him than I thought. Yeah. I'll call him as a first year and a second year since he's got four years left. Um, that's not bad for a guy that, yeah, I think is is I don't know, limited athletically. That might be too strong. Like he, he's not a good athlete. He's not a guy that I would expect to run for 600, 800 yards in a, a college football season. So um, that he at least isn't a negative there, which is which is nice. And again, it's just going to come down to how much volume we expect uh, from a passing perspective. Uh, we just touched on the the wide receivers, and yeah, I think Blankemsee is the only guy that I think is currently rosterable. We'll see if that ends up playing out. And again, really going to depend just on pass volume there. Um, the running backs, I guess Blake Watson is projected to start at least again, according to CFB winning edge. Uh, I trust him implicitly, but they do have a couple other running backs on that roster that are competent, uh, specifically Javon Ducker, uh, formerly of NIU, and then Brandon Thomas, who we liked a couple years ago and then got injured and hasn't really gotten back to what he once was. Um, I don't, I don't know that there's going to be a guy here, quote unquote, and I don't know that I love any of these guys. So, oh, they actually have Katravian Hargrove on their roster too. I, I actually did oh. not realize that. So they've been collecting portal backs, uh, for a while here now And Hargrove, formerly of Mississippi state, I believe, I believe he was a low four star, uh, that they brought in a couple years ago. So, uh, a bunch of guys that have some pedigree and have done some things in the past, but I don't think anybody that's like a super sexy name that, uh, is really rosterable again, except in deeper formats. Yeah, I'm I'm not overly interested in in any of these running backs. Blake Watson, the, the biggest appeal to me is that he's a very good pass catcher as well. So they could probably use him in a variety of ways. He's probably their most versatile and best offensive piece, uh, especially given the transfer out of Caden Prescorn at tight end. Yeah, so Blake Watson, mildly interested in Blank um Blankumsey, Blankumsey. Thanks. Um, yeah, eh, and Seth Hennigan, <laughs> meh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's yeah, it's not a team that I think anybody is a must have, but I do think Hennigan's rosterable for sure. And then I think Blank MC can be so if that that's my assessment of this, this squad. It sounds like you mostly uh, agree on that one, Colin. And Blank MC, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I don't not have much of an independent opinion of this player. Our CFF team just mildly likes him. So that's why I'm interested. Like I'd be lying again if I knew a lot, but I'm using all the resources available to me. They say they think he's fine. I think he's fine. So I don't have any strong uh, personal opinions on him. Uh, Navy is next on the list here. Um, here's the list of all the players at Navy that I think are rosterable. Nice. All right, we're going over to North Texas. <laughs> Sorry, Navy. Thank you for uh your service uh, your service but that's uh that's really all i care about there um north texas i <laughs> i don't really like anybody here we wrote a couple of names down just for posterity's sake um so people wouldn't yell at us if we don't say anything chandler rogers a quarterback i i'm not like the most in love with him there i i, I don't know what you think about chandler rogers 
it's Chandler Rogers is strictly a volume play for me. I mean, North Texas brings in Eric Morris as the head coach. He comes over from Washington state and Washington state was first in neutral game script pass rate last year. It's 73%, which is just absurdly high. So Chandler Rogers is one of those guys that in every supplemental draft I've been in, he's been in my queue and I have pulled the trigger on Rogers exactly zero times. So he's, in consideration, but I don't have him roster anywhere. Uh, again, it's it's just strictly like a volume play. Like he could be a guy that, if this offense ends up being decent, um, then he could be a guy that you are okay starting in a week or two if you absolutely are in a pinch. Um, but I think even with the volume there, I'm not sure how good this team is going to be year one. So, watch list guy for me but I have not actually pulled the trigger on him yet. I've been burned playing the musical chairs game with some of their wide receivers, Jair Shorter, who I, it's so funny because I actually think Jair, Jair Shorter is really talented. I think, oh man, I think it was Nate Marquise, but I do not want to say that for sure. I was listening to some sort of CFF pod in the past couple of months. And just like, as I was sitting there listening, I don't even know why I remember this stat, but he's got like a, in his career, like a 25% touchdown rate or something on like, not like a hundred catches a season or anything, but like notable volume. <laughs> he's, yeah. he, he's just kind of a touchdown guy. That's, that's really, really what he does. So him leaving, I think is we'll see what he can do at Auburn. Um, it leaves behind Roderick Burns, who I've been burned on before uh, having to fight that feeling of being burned before, but I'm not, I'm not super interested. Um, they've got a, a Jamori Macklin is, is related to Jeremy Macklin, right? We're, the guys in the slack are going to razz us when this show comes out regardless. So, um, but I believe he is related to Jeremy Macklin. I'm not going to comment either way because I don't know the answer to that. Come on, Colin, don't, don't get... be, give a give a real answer here. You you got to choose. If I'm I don't, give, you're going down with this ship, whether you like it or not. <laughs> if we're going down in this ship, we'll go down together. Then we'll go down in unity. Um, yes, related to Jeremy Macklin. Book it. Book it. Um, maybe Jeremy's his dad. I don't know. I think they're brothers or cousins or something. I think is the the relation there. Um, and then Trey Cleveland, who I believe transferred in. Like, I, it's not like a, it's names that are even playing these formats long enough, recognizable. But I don't think any of them are rosterable right now until I see how this yeah. offense works. You, you're shaking your head as well, so you, you agree? Yeah, I agree. And I mean, even if you think this is going to be a high volume passing offense, like we just talked about, we just saw last year at Washington State, Eric Morris just spread the ball all over the place last year um, to all sorts of different receivers. So. I think I don't see a standout wide receiver in this room. So I think it's going to be pretty spread out. So there's not really anybody that, uh, that I want. I also, for what it's worth, um, think that some of the shine has come off of Eric Morris, um, especially because he left incarnate word and they were just as good, if not better the year after he left. So I, uh, I'm, I'm a little less, intrigued by eric morris as an offensive coordinator there uh then maybe i would be otherwise um that's all i care about on this team i, I don't have any other guys i know some people like ragsdale uh going into last off season but he did not take the job and so i think it's still going to be a little bit of him a little bit of, uh add away um both guys have multiple years of eligibility so i uh it's not like you can you you hope that one's gone after an extra i think the NFL is not coming calling for either of those. Yes. 
uh, to put it respectfully. So I think both could be there for a couple more years and be fine backs, but none, none of them are, are standouts that I would want them uh, on a C2C roster. Let's go over to Rice. Um, this conference loses Rasheed Rice, and they <laughs> said, let's go one up here and bring in Rice themselves. Uh, Rice had a, a fun run last year at one point where some of those some of their, their guys were were scoring some points here. Um, they had that really, uh, tight end uh, last year, right? Yeah, who also played – what else did he, he play? Like running, running back? back or, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't remember his name. We called him as like a potential like league winner guy, and then I think he did like nothing down the street. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was fun. But you got to shoot your shot on those guys. You never know mm-hmm. uh, if they could end up working out. So – Luke McCaffrey, I think, is the only guy I'm interested in here. They they had oh, what's his name that just transferred out of there or just entered the portal? Rosner, I believe. Yeah. Bradley Rosner. So um it, it's really just McCaffrey there, who is I can say this one with 100 percent certainty, the brother of Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> yes. Definitively no, he is the brother of Christian McCaffrey. It. Mark it down. Um, yeah, it, Luke McCaffrey is the only guy that I'm really interested in here. He was the wide receiver 42 last year, 17.2 points per game. And they bring in JT Daniels at quarterback who, if he can stay healthy is, you know, I, I think we finally found JT Daniels level. He did, didn't really <laughs> cut it at USC. Didn't really cut it at Georgia. I feel even bad at, because he's just made of <laughs> tissue paper. Like yeah. I feel, I do feel bad. Yeah. Even even West Virginia last year, um, but now he's at Rice. Assuming he can stay healthy, this is an upgraded quarterback, and I think that should provide uh, enough stability for Luke McCaffrey to be startable, flex-worthy guy in in a handful of weeks. Um, yeah, I mean, I could see it. I, I, I like I said, I do feel bad. He just has I don't know. When's the last time he had a stretch of games where he was healthy? I do think he. He had a couple of games there for Georgia um, where he looked okay. Like he, he's super aggressive passing the ball downfield, but I, he, he, he's not great under pressure and, and he gets hurt a little too easily. So I think again, unless you're in a league that's very, very deep, I, I don't think I'm taking a chance on him uh, rostering him. Um, and then McCaffrey, I think is interesting. He's not a guy that I love just because I feel like, you have some of these guys that are smaller schools and you can at least point to the games where you say like, yeah, I really want to start him that week. And I think the problem with him at rice is that the game script more or less falls his way every single week, but the offense is just at least lately been so inconsistent that even I can't, I can't pinpoint the weeks when I like him. And so I tend to not really draft a lot of Luke McCaffrey. That's just my, personal leaning i think i might have him on like one roster and that's it i think that's very fair i I, you know he's not anybody that i'm clamoring to roster but he's definitely rosterable yeah he he should be rostered um so there's that um let's go over to smu um one of the better teams that that did not get poached uh this offseason although it sounds like they tried uh we lose Tanner Mordecai. So it's finally Preston Stone time. We've been waiting a couple of years for this. The highest rated recruit in SMU history from their backyard there. In the modern has... in the modern recruiting era. The pre pre without, uh without a Brinks truck involved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, in the in the uh, what recruiting services era, whatever they yeah. call it. Um, I don't think there's going to be a drop off from Mordecai at all. I think they're. I think it's actually an improvement. I'm going to stand by this. I think Stone's a good player. I think he's going to be really, really good this year. He is, for anybody that doesn't know, like I think he's fine in structure, but he is really kind of a guy that that scrambles around to throw. Think like high-end Tony Romo, middle-end um, Johnny Football, low-end Ty Simpson. <laughs> like <laughs> That's the range of player that he he falls somewhere on that spectrum. Um, I, I think he's a good player. I, I, I think SMU will be fine with him there personally. Yeah, I think he's a good player too. I think we would have seen him take over for Mordecai last year had he not gotten hurt like the next week after he Dude, did. That happened with him and Baron Morton like yeah. in succession and we were like we we're like finally we get to see these two guys and I was like, "Oh, come on." Yeah. Yeah, we've been waiting for so long with these guys. They're guys that I we both liked coming out. Uh you know, I know you and I were both pretty big on Stone. I was probably higher on Morton and you were probably higher on Stone, but we're finally going to see it with Stone. I tend to agree with you for the most part. I don't think this is – it's definitely not a drop-off from Mordecai, and I think Stone is probably a better overall player, although Mordecai is a – Mordecai is just a really good CFF QB and, like, college football, like, QB. Um, but I think there's some legitimate Debbie hope there for Stone. Uh, he's 6'1", 209, so he's got pretty good size. He's mobile. Uh, like you said, it really just needs to learn to play in the pocket and inside a structure better. Uh, and I think we could see some, you know, I, I think he gets drafted. So that, and then you couple that with, you know, being the quarterback at SMU, which we saw Tanner Mordecai had some insane weeks, including that like 80 point week where, uh, where he played Hugh, uh, Houston and they had that massive shootout. Um, SMU was second in pace last year and 29th in neutral game script pass rate. So the volume will be there for Stone. I think Stone is a, a legitimate CFF QB. Like I, 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 if he's one of my starters, like I am okay with that. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think so too. But I think if I have him as a starter, even though we like him here on this show, and I think overall at Campus Canton, I think it if he's you're banking on him as a starter, I think you should have a slightly deeper bench at the position just in case. It doesn't go well. I, I think it will. I think it will, but I think you have to be prepared uh, for the worst there just just, just because. Um, I, I don't think we need to go too much more into him. I, I think he'll be fine. Running back, uh, we'll see who the starter ends up being. Uh, again, CFU winning edge tentatively has Jalen Knighton penciled in as the running back, the starting running back. I don't think that's a bad bet because he has worked with uh, Rhett Lashley before during his time at Miami. Um, they've got uh, Kamar Wheaton there. They've got LJ Johnson there, formerly of uh, Texas A&M. So they've got a bunch of guys that we recognize the name. Um, but I mean, none of them have been particularly good. Knighton was not great the past couple years. Uh, Johnson did nothing at A&M. Uh, Wheaton has really been, you know, I don't know, up, up and down, mostly down uh, since his five star uh, pedigree there at Alabama. So, moral of the story, I don't feel great about any of these running backs in a perfect world. We can put them in a machine that combines them all into one player, and maybe we'd be happy with what we got. Yeah, I think that's fair. 
I am higher on Jalen Knighton, I know, than you are. I think he is, I think he has a future in the NFL as a pass catching back. Uh, he looked good as a pass catcher in 2021 with Rhett Lashley. Yeah, what, did, what, what did he do that year? He had a pretty good run for them. Uh, yeah, he in the had middle of that season. Yeah, in the middle of the season, he had like a couple of like really good games. I don't remember exactly like what the game logs were, but stat line, he had 145 carry through eight games, 145 carries, 561 yards, eight touchdowns, 20 catches, 280 yards, and three touchdowns. Again, only through eight games. Um, so he looked good there. Um, I, he's also a he's, – he's very fast. Um, he's got really good speed. So – I think there's a little bit of an NFL future there in some capacity, probably never a lead back, but at SMU, I think he's going to have some startable weeks there. I, I do think it'll probably be a, you know, committee of sort of approach um, where he's going to need a, a thunder to his lightning, but um, I, I think he, he's going to be okay. So I, I'm, I'm interested, interested in Knighton. Knighton's going to be upset that they no longer play Georgia Tech at SMU because he, in 2021, went 32 carries for 162 yards and a touchdown. And then last year against them went 16 for 118 and one. And those are two of the, those are, those are the best two rushing performances of his career. So, um, yeah, he, he's, he, I, I got talked into him a little bit last year by, by, by like all CFF folks i think they they liked him last year and that whole offense there just kind of uh fell apart so moral of the story i'm i'm not i i do not have jalen knight ranked that could be a mistake it could be a mistake that got burned last year and i'm spiteful and i'm i'm, I'm the worst but I, I i just don't love any of these backs I, I i'm not particularly interested in any of them i am interested though in the wide receivers here and i think everyone is saying that Jordan Curley is the next guy up there. And I think there is some considerable risk with that prediction just because he is the slot guy there. And over the past couple of years, the, the boundary guys have been uh, the more effective wide receivers overall. I have a lot of Curley actually. I think I find him to be available in a lot of supplemental drafts this year. If I'm not sold on Curley in the slot guys that they have on the boundary there, they've got um, Keyshawn Smith, uh, who I believe is formerly of Texas. Uh, he's Miami. A, he's a, a Miami. Oh, that's right. They had. Yeah, um, they poached like everybody from Miami. They had another guy from Texas, like Cavante something. Cavante so Dixon. Yeah, Cavante Dixon. Thank you. Okay, that's what that's who I was thinking of. So they got they've got Smith. They've got Jordan Hudson is really the other guy there. Um, so you know, I, I don't know what you think of any of those guys. They also brought over Romello Brinson, like you said, from Miami. But uh, I'm I'm not too hyped on him at this point. No, I'm not either. I'm not too hyped on the two receivers that they brought in for Miami Smith or Brinson. They didn't really do anything in Miami. Um, and I, I think Curly and Jordan Hudson are both more talented. I think Jordan Hudson overall, probably the most talented wide receiver on this roster. Uh, but I do think Curly is probably the next man up. And Rhett lastly force feeds his wide receiver ones. And we saw it last year with Rice. We saw it the year before with uh, Charleston Rambo when he was in Miami. So I am pretty high on Curly, but I'm also pretty high on Hudson too as a, I don't think he's a guy that I'm going to want to start this year, but he's probably a guy like mid-year towards the end of the year that I'm going to be looking to acquire um, because I think he's going to be the next guy up after Curly. Fair enough. Um, tight end, they do have RJ Maryland there. 
I am a little less high on RJ Maryland than our than man. I think, frankly, all CFF people, not just our mm-hmm. CFF team. And I have mentioned it in the Slack. I think they raised some very good points as to why. I mean, the the tight end position in college is such low. There's such a low bar to being a meaningful guy uh, at the position. But I think Hudson coming in actually, I think hurts him. Um, I think so. Um, you know, I, I'll be interested to see what happens there uh, exactly. But I, he's just such, he's not a big guy. He's basically a big wide receiver. He's six, four. He's like, he's, he's under 220 pounds. He basically had one or two huge games last year. And then the rest of the year did really nothing. They can say he was a freshman tight end, but again, really he's not a tight end. He's basically a wide receiver. I, I, I'm, I'm a little lower on Maryland overall. Uh, and I don't think there's NFL uh, real value there, at least at this stage. Yeah, I agree with both of those points. I'm a little lower on him for CFF as well, too. Now, you know, like we've said multiple times, we're not really like CFF experts here. So it does definitely carry weight that uh, our CFF team does like RJ Maryland. But I don't have him anywhere because I have not been able to pull the trigger at the value that he's currently going at. And he goes like decently early in, in supplementals. Um, like we're talking like fifth, sixth rounds, like when he's available. So I just haven't been able to pull the trigger there. I am interested because he's a tight, basically a wide receiver playing tight end. And like, we like that, but I, I, and I think he'll be startable. Like he'll be fine as a tight end, but I'm just not excited about him. And and I agree with you. There's no, like I, almost no NFL potential there right now because he is six, four He's a wide receiver. Like that's a wide receiver build, but he's not playing wide receiver. There's, there's no way he's going to play tight end in the NFL at that size. So he either needs to get better as a receiver and actually play receiver, or he needs to bulk up a lot and play tight end. And I just don't see either one of those happening. Yeah, I, I really don't either. Uh, let's head over to Temple. Uh, Kurt Warner's kid. And I know, again, that one is uh, a fact. So yes. um, look at us going. Um, his son, EJ Warner, is the quarterback at Temple. They finished somewhat strong down the stretch, which I think has people projecting a, a, some some decent production for Warner. <sighs> I don't have a strong take on him. I I, I don't. I really don't. I, I think that's that's like the extent of my analysis, and I feel bad about it. I, outside of kind of repeating what other people have said, I I think this offense will be fine. I'm not in love with it. He's, he's six foot, 190 pounds. Like he's not a big guy. Looking out on the field, is there real NFL potential there? I think he probably finishes the year lower than QB sixty. And I, with no real Debbie upside, like what what is he doing on a roster? I think he's a guy that I I don't have anywhere. I know I don't have him anywhere. And maybe that's a pessim. Maybe that is a view. Maybe it's a pessimistic view. Maybe I actually do have a take on him. But I I don't have really strong feelings about him. I just think he's okay. I, I think he's fine. Um, I don't know why he stayed at Temple. He could probably transfer up slightly and be fine. I love how you talked yourself into having a take midway through that. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. I can I can make a take about anything. You know. <laughs> I, I agree. The only place that I have EJ Warner in is like a, it's a 20 teamer. So it's like deep. Um, that makes sense. Is it a 20 teamer I'm in with you? Yeah. I'm like 90% positive. That's the one that I have him in. Sweet. Um, it's either that one or it's the C2C versus NIL. I know I have him in one of like our deep, deep leagues. Yeah. Um, and that, and that's a fine spot to have him. 
especially yeah. like in that C2C versus NIL, which is started two quarterbacks plus a super flex and yeah. it's 24 teams. Like that's a kind of format that, that you kind of want a guy like EJ Warner and who probably stays in college for a couple of years and yeah. can be moderately productive as a, a, a best super flex plug guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, but I agree with you. I don't, I don't think there's a lot of upside here uh, in terms of CFF. I don't think there's a lot of upside here in terms of Debbie. I think he's just kind of a classic roster clogger. Fair enough. I think the one guy that has been highlighted uh, by multiple people this year, including volume pigs, including Chris Moxley, I believe the CTN guys have talked about him is their tight end, David Martin Robinson, who have finished strong down the stretch last year. I don't remember exactly tight end uh, 14. the, the, the st- tight end 14. That's where he finished. The year. Okay. So, I mean, and yeah, he, he didn't start off the year particularly strong. So he seems to be uh, EJ Warner's favorite target. Um, uh, any thoughts there, Colin? No, I think he's undervalued right now in terms of C2C leagues. Like he's basically free. He's available in a lot of supplementals. Um, I said finished TE tight end 14 last year. So he's definitely rosterable. Is there any NFL potential here? I have no idea. I would be lying if I told you I watched a single snap that David Martin Robinson played. He's old. Um, not that that really, of all the positions, it probably matters the least at tight end, but this Hayden is Hurst, his man. sixth year in school. So, yeah, I mean, it, it does. Yeah, Hayden Hurst, it really, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, so I don't really have too much of a take beyond that. Like, he's definitely rosterable. If, if he's sitting there in your supplementals and you need a tight end, like, absolutely. The only other name that I even, like, recognize on this offense is Dante Wright. Oh who, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, he, again, I don't think he's a guy that I'm particularly no. interested in at the time, but former Colorado state guy before the new regime came in, uh, was incredibly productive as a true freshman there. And his sophomore year was fine too. And then this dude just fell off the face of the planet. So I don't know exactly what happened, but maybe he can spark something there, uh, at temple. I'm, I'm skeptical, but, uh, who knows crazier things have happened Tulane. Uh, had one of the better seasons in school history, or at least recent school history, uh, beat uh, USC in that famous bowl game there. Uh, they bring back, they, they lose some, they bring back some. I think really they bring back the most important guy on the roster there, Michael Pratt, has gotten some NFL buzz. Like, I, I think he's a guy that like to be a backup in the NFL. I'm not necessarily banking on him being a, an NFL starter, but I think he makes it to the NFL has some, some nice tools there. Um, and I think he'll be a top 30 quarterback for CFF this year. So I think he, he's definitely a guy that you want to roster if he's hanging around out there. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, he shouldn't be hanging around out there anywhere. Um, he should be rostered because I think definitely a CFF guy. Uh, we saw it last year. He finishes QB 28. So I, think that that's very much in his range of outcomes he could even climb up maybe a little bit higher who knows um because he does bring some rushing production there i think there's a, a a little bit of debbie intrigue as well he got some um there were some rumors of, that notre dame was sniffing around him and some other schools so he probably could have transferred up elected to stay at tulane and i think tulane is going to be you know like the favorite in the AAC, like I think they're the best team there. So I I worry maybe a little bit about the volume overall, but I, I still think he's going to be good for CFF for you. So uh, I, I'm definitely interested in Pratt. 
Um, I, it's interesting. Last year, they like talk about spreading the ball around. They had seven players with over 20 receptions last year, which is pretty wild. You don't see that kind of target uh, distribution too often, and they lose quite a few of the guys that, that really had good seasons last year. Shea Wyatt led the team. Uh, in receptions, receiving yards, and was second on touchdowns. He's gone. Uh, Deuce Watts uh, was uh, tied for second uh, in receptions, first or second in yardage, uh, first in touchdowns. They lose him. Um, so, and they lose Tyreek James, their tight end. So they have, and Ty J Spears also had 22 catches. They lose everybody. They lose everybody. So uh, I think that makes Jaquan Jackson moderately intriguing this year 33 for 554 and three last year um his final year of eligibility so you're only getting one year here i don't think he's a stud but i definitely think if you're just looking for some wide receiver uh, producing depth that you could do a lot worse than jackson yeah i think that's fair like you said they they lost so much off of that offense and somebody has to step up to fill it uh i don't I find myself taking jackson anywhere there's other guys that i find myself more drawn to but uh, I don't, I don't hate that take at all. So, um, the running backs. I mean, they're replacing Tyje Spirits, as I just said. I don't. This feels like a team that ends up choosing a running back, but I'll be damned if I can guess which one it's going to be. They have, um, uh, what, who is now going by Shady Clayton Johnson, um, Iverson Celestine, Arnold Barnes. I don't know. I mean. Again, I think they might end up choosing a guy, but I don't feel amazing about any of these guys. And for anybody who has, actually is not familiar with Shady Clayton Johnson, was actually a, he went by Ashad Clayton coming out of high school. Going into his senior year, he was like a top, I don't know, eight or ten back in the country. Blew out his knee, had offers like I think he was supposed to go to LSU, and then they kind of were like, eh, I don't, I don't think you should come here, buddy. So he went to Colorado, <laughs> flashed a couple of times, but Colorado turned to crap so now he's at he's here at, at Tulane so we'll see what he can do there but a story where a kind of guy that I want to root for him because I think he, yeah. he we could be talking about him very differently maybe we don't even go to go the, the the name change here if he if he goes to LSU who knows yeah I, I think all three of these guys are interesting I think they all are solid running backs actually like especially for the G5 um Amy you talked about um Shady Clayton Johnson's recruiting pedigree arnold barnes was was a decent recruit he was like a, a high three-star guy i believe i think iverson celestine was as well uh, they all have pretty good size too so they're all intriguing options but i agree i think they're just going to kind of cannibalize each other's because they are all solid uh, but i don't think there's a standout in that group so i would roster shady clayton and i would roster barnes because he's the freshman Celestine is probably just a watch list guy. Roster Mary Kill. Go. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> let's go over to Tulsa, who I I get Tulsa and Tulane confused. They shouldn't have the same first three letters in four of the first five. They didn't want to confuse me. Um is there anybody here that you you love on Tulsa Colin? I don't have I even have less of a take on Braylon Braxton than I did on EJ Warner, and that's saying something. That's surprising. I I am a uh, I'm a Braylon Braxton guy. I liked him coming out. I think he was like when we first started doing those freshman spotlights or freshman highlights or whatever. Like I think he was one of the guys that I did like first. Um, 
but I'm I am going to fact check you on that. Just for the record, I'm going to go please, through old episodes and look. I have every show sheet saved. We're, please we're do. Out. I I know I talked about him for that. Um, I don't remember which one it was, like, but I know I talked about him in our first year. Too. Okay, okay. Um, I'm trusting you. But I I like Braylon Braxton. I think he is. He, he flashed at the end of last year. Um, when he got in for Davis Brin, who has since gone to Georgia Southern, um, but he, you know, was the starter there last year. Um, he had some nice weeks at the end of the season there, 37 and 44 fantasy points. Um, he offers a, a decent amount as a rusher too, especially around the goal line. Um, so it, he, he's intriguing for a fantasy perspective. I think he's going to have some nice startable weeks this year. So I am rostering Bra- Braylon Braxton. I like Braylon Braxton. He's a guy that I've queued up in numerous supplementals and have pulled the trigger on once or twice. I I don't have any of him. And like I said, I don't even think I can talk myself into a take here. I, I don't have a strong one either way. Um, you also, you, I mean, we we filled out the sheet with names we think are interesting. And I know I didn't put Malachi Jones on here, the wide receiver. So that has to be you. So it again, was. I mean, talk to me about Malachi Jones. Cause another guy that I don't have anywhere. I don't believe I have him ranked um, a guy that I just don't have a take on. Yeah. I'm not really have, I don't know if I have him ranked. Um, if I do, it's pretty low. Uh, I don't actually have him anywhere, but I think this offense is going to be solid. They bring in Kevin Wilson from Ohio state. Now he was like the offensive coordinator in name only really over there he didn't really call a lot of the plays so it'll be really interesting to see his play calling style at Tulsa but I think it'll be a productive offense and somebody's gonna have to catch the ball Malachi Jones is the returning guy there he's another guy that I queue up a lot I haven't really pulled the trigger on yet but definitely a watch list guy for me because I mean we we liked Keelan Stokes last year uh Keelan Stokes was very good so I don't know I think you could do worse that's a good point. Just making him analogous to Ke- to Keon Stokes, who was there for forever. He's an institution. Um, UAB. I'm going to talk about teams that I don't have a take on. Um, I, I think the only player that I'm even mildly interested in, the only player here that I even, it's a lie. I know who Jacob Zeno is, but I don't care about him. <laughs> the only player whose name I know here is Jermaine Brown, the running back. Um I kind of hybridish kind of guy. I think he steps into the, the leading role there. I think everybody thinks he does that. I, I think he is a really nice running back production depth guy on the roster. Yeah. And I, I, he's a guy that I'm lower on than I think a lot of people are out there. I just don't think this UAB team is going to be very good. They lose a lot. They also bring in Trent Dilfer. I have no idea what that offense is going to look like. I mean, Jermaine Brown Jr. will probably be the focal point of the offense, but like, how good is this team going to be? Um, so I have him ranked. I would roster him, but I'm not excited about him. I'm not reaching for him anywhere. If he falls, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't have anything to add to that. And again, nobody else here on the team that I think are really interesting at this point um let's go to usf and i'm just going to cut right over to you colin hashtag your guy this is this is on brand for you very usf ub take it away yeah i'm a big byron brown guy i mean he he played really well at the end of last season he had like two 30 point games at the end of last season he was very efficient um 
And in comes Alex Golish from Tennessee, going to be running that Josh Heupel system. Now, it's probably going to take USF a year to really get the pieces in place and to, to really get that system down. So I don't know how great Byron Brown is going to be for this year. He'll have some startable weeks, but he's a guy that's like better in best ball because I don't know when those weeks are going to be this year. I think he's more of a play for 2024, but the good news is he was a true freshman last year, so he's got eligibility. And again, he's going to be in that system. So I like Byron Brown. Um, I think he's going to have some very nice weeks this year. So, you know, and then, then moving forward, 2024 and beyond, I think it's going to be wheels up when they get that system in place and get some pieces for it. Um, Sure. No, I... <laughs> I, I, I think he's fine. I'm a little lower on him than you are, but I uh, I don't mind him at all. Uh, running back projected to be uh, Naquan Wright, who transfers in from Florida, right? He's been at Florida and Miami, and I don't remember which one he was at last. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm not super intrigued by him. I, I don't know about you. Do you have any thoughts on Naquan Wright? I mean, he's a decent pass catching back, so that – might help him out and the fact that they don't really have many other options. They don't really have any other um, strong pieces and, and Naquan Wright was solid at Florida. So like I would roster him, but again, another guy that I'm not really like excited about. I don't think there's much of an NFL future here. I don't, again, I don't know how good USF is going to be this year. So I, eh, I'm very meh on Naquan Wright. Yeah, and I think Byron Browning is a guy where like you like him for his rushing, not really for his passing ability. So we're not sure that he's gonna produce any wide receivers that we really, yeah. really like. Uh, and they lose Xavier Weaver, Weaver and Horn anyway. So um not not a lot to love there overall. They do have just fun fact for anybody who has forgotten about him, they do have Deami Brown's brother, Caffrey Brown. Uh, oh, right. Who, who is still right. there hanging out. Yeah. Um, UTSA column. This is the last one. These guys are going to bring us home. And this is a really fun team to talk about. Cause I think there are so many guys that are getting drafted pretty highly here, but also plenty of guys that have some serious question marks, quite frankly, about them going into the season. One guy that I don't think has any question marks is Frank Harris, their quarterback who is going into, I believe his seventh year there. He pulled this final year of eligibility out of, I don't even know. Um, but I mean, we expect another top, you know, 24 finish here for him. I think he's about as safe as court at quarterback as you can get, uh, even with the loss of their offensive coordinator. Yeah. I don't think this offense is really going to miss much of a beat losing Will Stein. They promoted from within, uh, I can't remember the guy's name right now, but he's been on the staff since 2020 should be the exact same system, but Frank Harris has run this offense for 16 years now. So I mean, he's he's fine. I, I, I wouldn't worry about this at all. Um, Frank Harris, we know he's going to be a stud. He has been for the last two years. Like we're assuming it's his final season because it's like his, his 10th year in college. I don't even it's seventh year. Is it, is it actually his seventh year? Yeah, seventh year. Yeah, seventh year. So, I, I mean, we're assuming it's his last year, but it's going to be a good year. So, I'm I, you know, I like Frank Harris. Uh, he's if you're a, a competing team he's definitely somebody that i would want to have the running back is kavorian barnes and i think we feel pretty good about that projection at this point barnes stepped in uh i don't know midway through last season and was pretty darn interesting down the stretch 
um, has bulked up a little bit this offseason. He's now listed at 5'9", 215. He's one of those uh, meatball-type backs, and he was definitely more like 200 going into the offseason. So some nice gains there. Um, I, for for the record, I, I wanna, I'm going to phrase it like this. I like Gaborian Barnes, and once he got the job last year against FIU, uh, finished under five yards per carry once. Finished under six yards per carry twice. He was extremely effective. A couple of things that I think I don't love. He doesn't, at least as of right now, look like he's going to catch a ton of passes. So that's going to hurt uh, him at least a little bit from a floor perspective. And I just, there is a 10% voice in the back of my mind that tells me that this, back, that the end of last year could have been a bit of a mirage, even though we got like seven good games out of him to, to, to really see him play. Like there is something in the back of my mind telling me like, let's not get too carried away with Kavorian Barnes, who I still think is going to be a top 25 to 30 running back. I just don't want to lock him in as like a top 15 option. Cause I'm not that locked in on him right now, but I, again, good player. I'm not fading him by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. I mean, I think he's a good player. Uh, top 15, maybe a little too rich, but I, I, I think, that's probably going to be fairly close. I mean, we saw sincere McCormick be a stud for this UTSA team before. So, you know, they have definitely produced good running backs when they have a guy. And I think Kevorian Barnes is going to be their guy. The big difference is going to be that McCormick finished with over 20 receptions every year. He was out there. So I think that's that's going to be the big game changer for Barnes. Can he do something similar to that? Well, great segue. Their wide receiver room their pass catchers are looking a little bit more unstable than we thought heading into the year. So maybe there is increased opportunity for him to catch some passes. It's fair. Yeah, there definitely is. Let's talk about some of these wide receivers. They lose Zachary Franklin. He's at Ole Miss now. So they have Joshua Cephas and DeCorian Clark. And all three of those guys were on pace for over a thousand yards before some injury issues stacked up at the end of the season. Cephas has a DUI. He apparently rolled his car in December. So we need to wait and see what the fallout is from that. Because there might be a chance that he misses a couple of games in there. DeCorian Clark, uh, knee injury, we're assuming torn ACL at the end of the season. I don't believe we've ever gotten confirmation on that. He's only, I believe, eight months out at this point. So will he be ready for the opener? And will how will he be limited at all with that knee injury? So those were the three main guys. And all of a sudden, you have at least some mild concern. Well, one of them's gone. And then you have concern about the other two. It, it, makes, it makes this offense's projection a little less certain, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was already pulling back on DeCorey and Clark because of that knee injury, because we are kind of assuming it was an ACL. That's kind of where all the tea leaves pointed to. And I felt like we found something somewhere that said it was an ACL, but I, I don't know that for sure. But given that timeline, I was already kind of pulling back on Clark and I had bumped Cephas up pretty highly into my rankings. I think he was in like the like high thirties for my like C2C ranking wide receivers. Like, 37 38 somewhere in that ballpark um but the legal issue definitely adds a question mark to that now too so we really thought 
that there were going to be some stud wide receivers here. And now we're not so sure, but that leads us to freshman David Amador, um, who I think is very intriguing. Yeah. Um, they wrote about him in the CFF guide in the, uh, 50 freshman spotlight. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Ogle Kellogg is slightly interesting. I would be lying if I said I knew a ton about him. Like I know he's a tall, big guy. He's like six, five, but, uh, other than that, I don't know a ton about him. Then I think uh, you were talking about maybe Oscar Cardenas is the other guy there, uh, who is also another big guy, 285 pounds. Chris Moxley, huge. <laughs> mocks his movement skills every time i talk to him about cardenas he's another guy that again like like um oh i forget what tight end we were talking about earlier where like if you want four or five tight ends because you don't have that anchor maybe he's like the back end tight end that you kind of fill your roster with um just to kind of take shots on some different guys there um they also highlighted a, a freshman wide receiver on the uh the future freshman pod this week uh and i'm trying to think who it was i think it was jamel hardy uh, who's supposed to be a really, really good athlete. So I think, you know, not rosterable. And I think Amador is only rosterable in deeper leagues, but just a guy to pay attention to, especially if the third game of the season you see he has like five targets or something. Like now he's on my radar if he's getting on the field with with some issues around Cephas and Clark. So that's how I'm reading this team. I think there is a little more risk here than we would like to Hope for, but I still think they're a good team. And I still think they're probably the favorite to win the AAC as of uh, right now. Yeah, I think it's them and, and probably Tulane. Um, I, I think the the question marks around these pass catchers does ding UTSA a little bit for me. But circling back to Florian Barnes with all these question marks with these other wide receivers and other pass catchers, I don't see any reason why you know he can't step up and, and catch some, some extra passes here. So it it does help Barnes, I think, a little bit. I was going to do it for tonight's show, Colin. We got through the AAC. We had two wonderful guests. I, I, would, I would call this a successful show. Would you agree? I would agree with that. Yeah, it's a great uh, great start to the conference previews and kickoff series. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed this one. We will be back later this week. For anybody, we do not do Canton Bound these few weeks. We knock out all the conference previews on the right. lead up to week zero. So no Canton Bound. I will be back again this week. I thought I got out of this double duty crap, and now... Now we're back again. <laughs> so it'll be me and Colin uh, on you know, Thursday night, Friday morning, whenever you listen. Um, and we will have a guest. We have a guest lined up. We'll be recording with him uh, before the show. Uh, looking forward to chatting with him. You can find everything we've got going on over at Campus to Canton, guys. Check out this podcast feed. Check out the YouTube channel. Um, our rankings, our articles, our ADP, our tools, just everything we've got. Uh, can be found over at Campus Canton. Our Discord uh, is really starting to pick up here as the season gets closer. The only other note that I have here, guys, is our uh, partnership with Homefield Apparel. Go use our promo code Campus to Canton. That's the number two. Get 15% off your first order there. We've talked about this before. You've already ordered with them. Who cares? Create that extra email address. Get exactly. that money off that gear and get ready for the college football season. So I will see you guys here later this week. Until then, I'm Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good one.